it would be a, a softer, kinder, gentler uh, Father's Day message. I always laugh and guys really mean it uh, more kidding than anything else. They say, man, you know, Pastor Mike, you, you know, you make the moms feel all good. And then, you know, on Father's Day, you know, you just pound us like salt into the ground, you know. I, and I, you think about it, I mean, we're just doing worship, right? And we're talking about how awesome God is. And that's the problem that we have. As fathers, we have something directly to be compared to as our heavenly father, right? I mean, so the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, for all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's like, you know, we, we serve an awesome God. That bar for that name, father, is very, very high. Would you agree? And uh, so oftentimes, you know, it might come across, you know, that uh, it's, a, it's a hard message, but it really is um, a very loving message when we think about the love of our Father, our Heavenly Father, and His love for us as His children, and then to be able to celebrate our earthly fathers today. And we want to do that. And um, so we're going to be looking uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Jeff had to send this to me. I wrote the text. I wrote Solomon 1 on there and uh, he goes oh so we're we've uh, we're studying the apocrypha now you know and then uh, yes uh, um or i could have said song of solomon but uh, ecclesiastes chapter one and and ecclesiastes i'm laughing because i'm seeing it now you see it before you know you just send it i just type it and i, I have so many studies going on in the, in the course of the week i'm sitting there I'm, I'm thinking of five different studies i wish i could just do one you know where you just poured your whole life into one thing and I'll be talking and I'm, and I'll say something. I go, no, that was from a different book. What am I, I was like, praise God for the Holy spirit to discern these things. Um, but I wanted to, uh, share with you from the book of Ecclesiastes today. And as we do that though, I do want to honor the dads that are here. And so if you're a dad uh, that's in service day, if you could stand up and let us give you a round of applause today, you don't get enough of them. I can tell you that give these dads a round of applause today. And we thank the Lord for you. And as, and as we're, if just go ahead and keep standing. I know it's a, it's a hard thing, but um, let us pray for you this morning as we open up uh, the Word of God today as well. Father God, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being who you are. You are, you know, as Romans says, uh, our Abba, that uh, you have saved us, you've made us your own, and you've given us the privilege to call you Daddy. And uh, Lord, we've been blessed with, with earthly fathers. Uh, your word tells us that, that in Hebrews, that our earthly fathers did the best that they could do, their, their flesh, their, their, their blood. And um, Lord, they've done the best they can do. Uh, and the best fathers are the ones that, in the best that they can do, are the ones that point us to Jesus. And so I thank you so much for these men that are here today, because regardless of their children are fully grown and and gone from the household, they're still alive today, and so they're still father, and they still have that opportunity to influence, to to love, to share, and to make a difference in the life of their family. And so I thank you for these men. I thank you for the men of our church. I thank you for the difference they make in, in service and in the way that, Lord, they offer not only uh, their time, but their very lives, uh, Lord, from children's ministry to our youth, um, to young adult, um, Lord, to um, our security ministries are serving, you know, in TWC, um, wherever there's a need, there, there's men involved. And I thank you so much for that. And for these dads that are here today, I pray that, Lord, as the things that we'll read from your word would strengthen their heart, that they would encourage them, that they would motivate them, 
Lord, that it would cause us not to look down, but to look up, Lord. Look to you. You're not only our model and example, but Lord, you're the one who provides. You've given us yourself. You've given us your Holy Spirit. And so we can love you and we can honor you and we can bring glory to you because God, you've given us all the tools that make it possible. And so today, as we celebrate Father's Day and we love you, Lord, thank you that we get to share that love with these fathers that are here. And so we pray every blessing of heaven today would be theirs. We pray for just a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon their life. May they sense your presence. May they feel your presence. May they know your joy today. That's not circumstantial, but that comes from the abiding presence of your spirit in their heart and their life. And we do thank you so much for them. And we pray that today, Lord, they'd feel appreciated. That, that's what we desire, that it's not just a, a factual knowledge, but Lord, that there is an emotional side to it, that they do feel loved. They do feel appreciated today. And we do thank you so much for them and pray you'd bless their day. And each person here, God, the great blessing of Father's Day is, we, like I said, we have an Abba for all of us, Lord, male and female, God, here in the young and old alike, that God, you're, you're our dad. And no matter how good or not so good our earthly father was, we have a perfect father who is in heaven, who loves us perfectly, cares for us perfectly, provides for us perfectly. So we have much to be thankful for today, much to, to really offer praise for today. And we do that and do just thank you for these men. Be with them. Bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, you know, I remember, and I've shared this, you know, numerous Father's Day messages. I, I, I can't ever forget the first time that I got to teach uh, in the sanctuary, and it was a Father's Day message. And, and I remember, man, I was studying all week. I looked up almost every verse in the Bible that had to do with the word father. And then, for some reason, I ended up in a dictionary. And I don't know really how I ended up there, but I remember looking in the dictionary because I wanted to see well, what does the dictionary define, you know, what a father is? Because, you know, it's nice to have a working definition, right? And so I was scouring the Webster's Dictionary and, and I was going through it and, and I was looking at words and, and I found the word father and I got the definition, you know, for it. And then I kept looking at the page and it was so funny, and I just started laughing out loud because it had father, and it was surrounded by two other words, and it was the word fathead and fatigue. And I laughed because I thought, man, that's the definition of a father. I feel like a lot of times it's just a fathead, right, that I just do things wrong, and then fatigue, that, man, I'm just wore out just trying to, I don't know how my wife does it, right? And it was, it was just one of those things that I could never, ever forget. It was like, it was, it, it, and I shared it, you know, that Sunday and I said, man, that's it. That's how I feel, you know, a lot of times. And, you know, we might portray ourselves in a lot of different ways, but, you know, it's a tough job being a father and especially being a godly father. And so oftentimes we do feel like a fathead, especially with the fact that you know, in comparison to who is like Jesus said, he goes, you know, your love, I don't care who you are. He says, your love as a father. He said, you know, you're, when your children ask you, he said, dad, you know, for, you know, bread, he said, you know, would you give him a stone? Would you give him a scorpion, you know, instead? He goes, he goes, but I want you to understand something. Jesus said, he said, your love in comparison to God's love is like hatred. As much as you love your kids, 
Your love towards your kids, Jesus said, is like hatred in comparison to God's love for you. That's, that's how vastly short our love is. And so I get, you know, as many men do, that, that aspect of, you know, fathead and then fatigue of just wearing yourself out, trying to do the right things. And Solomon, you know, and, and I, I thought about this of just reading through the book of Ecclesiastes and looking at Solomon's life, because he, like so many men, you know, was searching for meaning and the purpose of life. And you know, he was asking himself as, as, you know, I'll sit with men and they'll go, Pastor Mike, I, I don't know what my gift is. I really don't know what my calling is. And the truth is what they're saying is, I don't know why I'm here. I really don't know what my purpose, you know, is here on life. And, and in that, I can't find any satisfaction. There, there's this, you know, this desire to find satisfaction, and we can't find it. And, and the difference between us and Solomon is you got to remember, Solomon was the richest man in the world. Basically, when you think about, um, you know, I tried to do the math on this, his payment every year was like a million, you know, I was at uh, almost a million ounces of gold. And so if you took a million ounces of gold and took it at today's, you know, market value, I think it's like $1.9 billion. And that was his annual salary, right? I'm pretty sure you could do a lot with 1.9 billion a year, do you think? You know, and so really there was nothing, there was nothing that Solomon couldn't do. You know, money was no object to him. He was like the, the Elon Musk, you might say, of the 10th century. I mean, that kind of gives you something to wrap your mind around. And, and he looks at life between birth and death and, and everything that's possible. And he comes to a conclusion in many of your translations, it says it was all vanity, right? In the NLT, it says meaningless, that life was meaningless. Ecclesiastes 1, 2, and 3 puts it like this. It says, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Some of your translations says preacher. And one of the things I want to encourage you, you know, as Christian men today, you know, oftentimes you'll hear people say, hey, don't preach at me. You know, well, the Bible says, how are people going to hear without a preacher? And I get it, and it becomes, as education continues to increase and knowledge increases, you'll hear, you know, people talk today, pastors, where they would have said, hey, today's sermon title is, they go, no longer is it a sermon, they go, today's lecture is, you know, because that seems, you know, that people might want to pay more attention to it. But but Paul, the apostle, talks about it's through the foolishness of preaching that people come to salvation. And again, so it's not that we change, you know, what the Word of God says to try to appease people, but we stand true to what God's Word says, knowing that when we do, that's what reaches people. And so he says this, he says, everything is meaningless. And some of your translations, like I said, says the preacher or the teacher completely meaningless is what do people get? for all their hard work under the sun. And the key there is, is under the sun. So it's kind of an eloquent way of saying, you know, why get out of bed in the morning, right? What's the use of getting up? It's all meaningless. And, and that word meaningless in some of your translations, like I said, is the word vanity. And it really means this. It means vapor or mist. And it implies an emptiness or dissatisfaction or unfulfillment. It's kind of like our modern day equivalent to the phrase, whatever, you know, and people just seem to be disenchanted. And that word vanity or meaningless, it appears like 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. And it really sums up how Solomon feels about life. And, and again, 
It's life without God, okay? That's really what he's saying here. Um, and, and what he's declaring, as you study through this in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, you know, that, that life, you know, as he sees it at this point, is no more meaningful than, you know, have you ever been outside on a cold day and you breathe and you can see your breath you, and you just breathe in and it, it vaporizes and it's gone? And that he's saying, that's what life is like under the sun. That word meaningless, and, and I love this in one commentator translation, it said the word meaningless could be translated, whatever is left after you break a soap bubble. Think about that. Have you ever broken a soap bubble before? I have grandkids and we play with soap bubbles almost weekly. They love to be outside. And, and it's so funny because we have these ones now. When I was a kid, it was just one, right? You pulled it out. Phew, now they have like strings of them, right? There's like four or five on a thing. And my grandkids, they love it. And Brady, you know, I have him on Mondays. And so I'll do it with him and I'll pull it out and blow it. And, and it's gotten, he's running around for about 30 seconds and he'll pop them. And then he's looking at me like, you got anything else? Opa, what, what's, what's next? I mean, I popped the bubble and I thought about this, this last week, you know, whatever's left after you break soap bubble. And so Solomon, you know, he basically is saying that life under the sun was like grasping at the wind. Have you ever tried to grasp at the wind or tried to grab water per se? Nothing lasts and nothing truly satisfies. This is what Solomon, the guy who makes $1.9 billion a year, is telling us that nothing lasts and nothing truly satisfies. And so what he's telling us, you know, as you, as you study the book of Ecclesiastes, is that he tried everything that could be tried and he came up empty. And so you might be thinking, well, well why would we share this on Father's Day? For great reminder, you know, I, I was in beverage industry before I went into the ministry and sat with guys, you know, every single day. Yeah, I mean, every single day. I traveled all around the country and met new people every single week, worked with different people every single week. And that old expression that said, you know, be careful what ladder you climb because you might just get to the top and find out that the ladder's leaning against the wrong building. You ever heard that expression before? And I'd find guys that were at the top of their field and in the beverage industry, but you could just see the emptiness because it was all about life under the sun and nothing would satisfy. And so it really, in one sense, it was easy to share the gospel because you know that expression, I didn't realize Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. Well, these guys, you know, you get to that level because what you're going to find is just like Solomon. You know, uh, I work for Thomas H. Lee, if you have heard that name recent, uh, Thomas H. Lee Holding Companies out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, that was who I went to work for when I worked for Snapple Beverage Company. Thomas, Thomas H. Lee committed suicide here about uh, a month and a half ago in his office there in Chicago, put a gun to his head and killed himself. Multi-billionaire, but a business transaction didn't go the way that he'd hoped. And so he took his life and you go, wow, you know, a multi-billionaire. And you go, because what did he discover? That this life doesn't satisfy. You know, you, you can, money can buy happiness, but what do we know about happiness? Happiness is fleeting, it's temporary. Joy comes from Jesus and, and it lasts forever. And so, Solomon is, is helping us understand here, you know, some 29 times you'll read in the book of, of Ecclesiastes, under the sun. And he says that he did, you know, all that he did under the sun. And I want you to think about that, you know, for a second, because really better put is to say 
what I did without the sun. And it's not S-U-N, it's S-O-N. It's what I did without the sun, what I did without God. Because what you can read in the book of Ecclesiastes, God is not against hard work. God is not against you having possessions and owning, you know, whether it's how a house or multiple houses or estates or vineyards. And he says to enjoy all those things, but just know that those things don't provide satisfaction. They don't last. It's temporary. And, and we all know it. You know, we've all said, oh, if I just had, and then you got it, right? If I just had one more, if I just, you know, it doesn't work. There is no life apart from God. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And that's really the message you know, that he's declaring. And so it wasn't until the end of his life that he changes the focus. And I thought a lot about that because the fact that I look at my own life and I, you know, we have an opportunity to look back. And really this morning I wanted to title the message and, and I asked some guys to participate in this with me and I'll share some of their thoughts later on. Um, but if you could you know, write a letter or what advice would you give to your younger self? And so I communicated with some guys in the church and it was just kind of a random thing, just guys that the Lord put in my heart, guys that I, I saw. It wasn't, you know, I thought about guys even after, oh man, I wish I had, and just it's how it works. So it's not, you know, there's no method to the madness in that regard. It was some were, you know, selected, you know, by on purpose and others. I just, like I said, I, I might see them like, hey, you know what? And the Lord just said, you know, ask, ask them to participate. And so I asked them, I just said, Hey, can you share with me your thoughts, you know, advice that you'd give to your younger self and, and then share those things? Because that's really, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, that's what Solomon's doing. It's advice that he would give to his younger self. Looking back, what would he do differently there? Because we get that because we get to read the whole book, right? And he does have, when he uses the word in chapter 12, conclusion. So he concludes something in all of his life. And I thought, man, what a, what a, what a great message for Father's Day. Not, not to send to discourage us, but to align us afresh and to, you know, give us purpose about why we're here and what we're doing. And really it makes no difference if you're a man to be the same thing is true as, as a woman, whether you're young, whether you're old, um, the message is really the same for all of us, but here's Solomon, you know, as the wisest man in the world who declares this, you know, for us. And so Solomon understands, you know, that life is short, you know, that again, it, it's going to be over before you know it. And matter of fact, he might have been thinking along those lines something that his own father had written from Psalm 103, verses 15 and 16, when David said, Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. And you'd think, oh, that's so sad. Well, it is for the non-believer, but not for the believer, because when we leave this life as a believer, where are we going? Heaven. And we will be with the Lord, what, forever and ever. And so there's a good thing there. In Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Solomon reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun. And that's a great reminder on Father's Day. You know, we, we keep, you know, we can get so caught up in this, of the, what's the newest thing? What's the latest thing? You know, especially for young fathers here. Um, in Ecclesiastes 1, 9 and 10, uh, here's Solomon saying, he said, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. Remember that statement I always share with you by John Corson. He says, if it's true, what is it? It's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. 
And people kick against that all the time, but it's true. I remember, and I've shared this before, you know, years and years ago, um, at the time, um, uh, when I was moving out of youth ministry, I was, I was working with, uh, he, he became our youth pastor. It was Dave Lomas and, uh, Dave's dad was a fireman and Dave's dad would come over all the time to the office and he would sit with me and he'd talk to me about different things. And, and, uh, as a fireman, you know, he worked days and he was off days. Right. And one time when he was off, he, he lived off here off white lane. He was in his garage and he was working. A guy came in with a gun. He held him up in his, his garage. And so his dad was very creative. And so he thought, you know, I got to do something here about this. And so he designed a garage door that when it came down, the very bottom panel had louvers that you could actually turn them, right? You could open them so the wind could pass through it, but you could be safe, right? Because if you're, because what happened was he, it was so hot, you know, as it gets here in Bakersfield, he had his garage door open, working out there and he loved being outside, but anybody could walk in. So he thought, you know, Hey, I'm going to, and, and he showed it to people and people, that is genius. And people said, I'll buy it. Right. So he writes it all up. He goes down to the patent office in Los Angeles. Right. He goes in there. He said, I'm walking tall. He puts that thing out there. He does the research. He looks up. That thing was invented back in the 1930s. No one had ever followed through with it, but somebody kept the patent on it and they kept owning it. So he could do nothing with it. So he comes back to Bakersfield and he's all, and immediately it's just a great opportunity to share with him from what? The book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new in the truest sense under the sun. And, and I, I love this. The Greek said this, the ancients have stolen our best ideas. And, and one philosopher put it like this, they that come after us will see nothing new. And, and they who went before us saw nothing more than we have seen. It's just as it is. So remember, again, if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. And so is, is Solomon, you know, again, we read he tried, you know, and, and he came up empty every time. He constantly was looking for something new. You know, and then I, I think of the woman at the well, you know, in John chapter 4, always comes to mind. You know, Jesus told her, you know, after meeting with her and conversing with her, and she talks to Jesus about, you know, how is you a Jew talking, you know, with me, you know, Samaritan and Da, da, da. They don't have this interaction. And Jesus said, well, if you knew who it was that was asking you for water, he said, you know, verse 10, he said, if you only knew the gift of, that God has for you and who was speaking to you, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she says to him in verse 11, but sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again because it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. It's such a great reminder today that, you know, there is no life under you know, the S-O-N. I mean, if you're going to think you're going to find life without Jesus, it's not going to happen. Life is in him. You can drink all that the world gives to you, and many of us have, and you go, and what did it do? It left you parched. It left you thirsty. left you wanting more. But today, and especially, you know, for you dads that are here, that you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, 
you know that Jesus satisfies. And there's something bubbling up, you know, within you even today. It's just a reminder that, you know, the water that Jesus provides is the water that lasts forever. And you need to be reminded of that, encouraged in that, because the world keeps trying to tempt us to think that, oh, no, there's another water out there. And Jesus reminds us over and over, no, the water that I give you, no, it's eternal. And and such a wonderful, wonderful reminder. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, as I shared with you just a moment ago, in verses 18 through 20, Solomon writes this. He says, even so, he says, I have noticed one thing, at least that is good. So he found something good in all this vanity and all this grasping, you know, at the wind, so to speak. He said, it is good for people to eat and drink and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life, right, that God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. It's a great reminder. So what is he saying? You know, the, the bottom line, this preacher is, is, is declaring this, enjoy life, but don't expect more out of it than it can give. And I think that's just a great reminder, you know, to us today. You know, many, a new mom, they think, you know, that having a baby will, will somehow satisfy that, that unhappiness and will bring fulfillment in their life. And then you meet with moms later on and they're going, man, it didn't turn out like I thought. Maybe that baby keeps you up at night and doesn't say I love you, you know, but it says, feed me, hold me, change me, play with me, give me all of your attention. And uh, again, or maybe, you know, as a businessman, you know, here today, you know, you work really hard and you, you thought, man, if I just got that promotion and, and man, my life would be so much better, I'd have more money and I could do more things and you got it. And then you were totally dissatisfied and you think, man, am I just not appreciative? And you go, no, there's just something that God wants us to understand this life in the truest sense doesn't satisfy us. I mean, there's going to be new headaches that come with that new position, that new job. There's new challenges. You know, a single person thinks that they just got married, right? You know, if I just could get married, all my troubles would be over. And all the married people said, amen, amen. No, marriage is great, but it's not the secret to happiness. Solomon discovered that. How many wives did Solomon have? 300? 700? We know he's got a whole bunch of wives and a whole bunch of concubines, right? You know, and you think about that. You know, and what did he discover? He was still grasping at the wind. He was still wanting more. Safe to say what he discovered, it was probably too late in that department in his life. You know, God is the secret to our happiness. So we fast forward to chapter 12. And in chapter 12, you know, he makes this as simple as possible for us. He concludes his preaching. And again, I just want to encourage you dads, preach to your kids. Never stop preaching to your kids, okay? You know, let the world rephrase it, rename it. They're doing that with everything else. But you know what? You know, preach, preach the gospel. That's how the Bible says that your kids are going to get the message. You, as Solomon declares here, is man, you take the word of God and you drive it like a stake into the heart of your children. Redundancy over and over again. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter six, you know, and the instructions of a father, you know, was to what? 
over and over and over through repetition in the morning and noon at night. They're rising up to the time they went to bed that you would, you would drive the word of God. Of all the things that you would try to teach your children is teaching them the word of God. You know, how does a young man cleanse his ways, the scripture says? By taking heed according to the word of God, right? I have hidden your word in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against thee. It's not going to be all these other things that are distractions. It's the word of God. It is, his word is powerful. And so in chapter 12, in verse 1, he says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. He's like, you know, hey, don't think as many of us did. Oh, you know what? I've got time for God later on. Right now I want to live like coming to Jesus. You were going to have to die, which you do, but you die to self that you might find life. And says, don't let your excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Because you're going to reach a point where, like Solomon, now he's looking back over his life. The wisest man, apart from Jesus Christ, who ever walked this earth, is giving us sage advice here, very sound advice. He says, you're going to reach a point in life where it's not going to be pleasant anymore. I talked to a lot of the older guys in our church, and I love that expression getting old. I had a friend tell me the other day, I was sitting with him, he was in pain. He said, Mike, I just want to let you know, getting old ain't for sissies. Yeah, it's not. If you think being a teenager is hard and you think being a breadwinner in your family is tough, just wait. You know, Solomon's saying they're the most difficult days. They are coming and they're coming when you get old. You know, and I don't know when, how old old is for Solomon, okay? You know, I'm 63 and my body feels old. I mean, I have, I have pains on top of pains. Does that make sense to you at all? Even my, my, even my hurts have hurts. That, that's what happens the, the older you get. So, um, but Solomon has a message, you know, for his younger self, you know, you might say, again, the wisest man apart from Jesus Christ who ever walked this earth has a message for all of us, you know, especially for dads here on this Father's Day. He, he understood time is short. I don't care how old you are. Time is short. It was Billy Graham. He was uh, speaking at a university, and he told the students there, he, they asked the question, you know, to this question, what is you know, the most surprising discovery about life that you've ever made? And Dr. Graham, he said this. He said, the brevity of life. The brevity. Life is short. Because of all the things, I just realized life is short. Make the most of it. Don't procrastinate. Don't think putting it off to tomorrow. That's in the sense playing God, because we don't know the moment at which we are going to meet the Lord. Might for some be old, for many it's young. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, look at there in verse 2. He says, remember him before the light of the sun, the moon and the stars is dim to your old eyes, and the rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets before your hair turns white like the almond tree in bloom and you drag along with the energy like a dying grasshopper. The, the caper berry no longer inspires sexual desire. 
Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. You know, pretty amazing you know, the the analogy that he gives there you know of what we we look like and and how we respond uh, you know in our old age you know our body starts to fail you know our eyes start to fade you know our hearing goes i have to laugh at that that you know the older you get like you can wake up to the sound of a bird chirping right and yet you can't hear if a he's basically saying if a if a if a parade went by your house you wouldn't hear it but yet you can hear that that chirping bird. Uh, if someone's not facing you, you can't even understand what they're saying. You know, as you age, it's like, I tell my wife, honey, look at me. Look at me when, you, when you're talking to me. Okay, now I can understand. Because my wife, she's doing something all the time. She's walking, she's talking. You know, I shared with you one time we, we, we built our home, we built it with soundboard and then we put the drywall on top of it. And so on two walls, it was like four inches thick and she'd carry her laundry and and she'd go in from the laundry room into our, into our bedroom. She's still talking to me. And I'm just like, what, what were you doing? She says, well, I was talking. So, honey, how, how could I hear you? I mean, I know we have a young son that loves Superman, and you've watched a lot of Superman, but I can't hear through the wall, okay? you got to come around. And now, you know, I mean, I'm like, I have to stop her and go, turn. So I read this, I laugh. You know, it's like your hair turning, you know, looking like, like an almond tree. Well, what is he talking about? In bloom. It's like it turns white, right? My favorite, though, is a grasshopper. You ever look at a grasshopper? Even little kids like that, they look at a grasshopper. Grandpa, that looks like an old man. You know, that's exactly what Solomon said. He's like, you know, and, and your teeth like grinders, right? Whatever few you have left, right? You know, it's like, do they even work? I've been in rest homes the last few weeks working with families, and uh, in both instances, um, I had to drive to their home and get their teeth out of their, their bathrooms and deliver them to, to convalescent hospitals. They go, they can't eat, you know, any food. And they go, Hey, I'm here. You know, uh, you know, to think of all the things that, you know, somebody go, can, can you go by my house and get my teeth? Sure. <laughs> Love to do that. You know, and, but those are the things that, that comes and, 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 and they're going, well, I hate to do this to you. And I'm like, don't I go, because I'm going to need somebody to do it for me. Right. And uh, so it's that thing of what a privilege it is for us to get to serve other people, regardless of what their health conditions are in life, because again, we're all going to be there someday. And so Solomon, he's just saying, this is an honest account, you know, my research, he's, he's just telling us the truth. I, he goes, I, I've set all this in order. I thought a lot about it. And, and so he, he just says, and these words these words of the wise, he says, they're like goads, right? They're like a, a sharp stick. And he says, you know, and they need to be driven. And so this shepherd here, as you know, Solomon's talking about, that could be us today as fathers, and that we have a responsibility to take that word and those life experience that you have and drive those things into the lives of your children. It's not just a privilege. It is a responsibility that we have before God to raise and to train our children in the things of God. Amen. We have them for such a short, short time. And so, you know, as I, I read this, and now as he concludes it here, 
you know, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. And he says, this is the summary of his, his whole statement here. You know, he says, if you want to age right, you want to live right, you want to die right, then that comes by being prepared. And how do you prepare yourself? He says, you know, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. I mean, think about it. the whole summary of the wisest man in the world who's lived his life, who, who was, you know, a multi-billionaire, had it all, did it all. And he goes, this is the conclusion of the whole thing. And so to me, it's a great encouragement today for you dads, because here on Father's Day, you're sitting in a service. You're sitting in church today, and you're here worshiping God, and you're giving God his honor and his glory. And at the same time, God is affirming you and encouraging you, hey, as, as you look to your heavenly father, and he's the perfect model, is that then you know, we, in the sense, we become like him. He fashions us and makes us as he did into his image. And in the image of Christ, he's still working. You know, he began that good work is faithful to complete it. So he says, fear God and keep his commands. I like what the Amplified Bible says, you know, for this is the full original purpose of God's creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances, and the condition under the sun, and the whole duty for every man. It's all wrapped up in the fear of God, keeping his commandments, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so you think about that. What is the best definition you know, of reverential you know, fear or awe? When we think about you know, the fear of God, it's loving obedience. You know, when we think about fearing God, right, having a fear of the Lord, it's living with a loving obedience. It's like thinking of it this way. is like you know, my fear is not of the wrath of God. My fear is that I might displease God, that we would have that kind of love for the Lord. And so when you think about, you know, as men today, actually for all of us here, when you think about the fear of the Lord, is it that you fear obeying the one that you love? Because that's his desire, is that we would fear him in such a reverential way that our fear wouldn't be that, oh, you know, that God, you know, is going to judge me in, a, in this harsh way you know, under separation, but that I'd go, no, my, my fear is that the things that I would do in my life would displease the one who loved me and gave himself for me. I like, you know, as one father put it, he says, the only fear that I really have, the only thing that makes me afraid, if I have the fear of the Lord, is that I might displease the one that I love. And that means that there's a relationship of respect, of reverence, and of worship. And that relationship produces something that says, obey God or fear God, and keep his commandments. Isn't that what Jesus said to us? He says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll obey me. And he said, if, you're, if you love me, then you'll, you'll listen to me. You know, because we'll say that. We go, oh, I love God. And then you'll read his word. You go, well, but I don't agree with that. You go, well, then how do we say that we love God? If we love God, he says, then you'll, you'll obey me. You'll, you'll trust me. It reminds me you know, of this letter that Alistair Begg, I heard years ago, that he read one Father's Day, and in it, it was such a, a powerful moment uh, when he shared it, and I, I loved it. I wanted to uh, share it with you. He said, it's called A Letter to My Son, and he said this. He said, you think about uh, the Father's love, and especially with regard to obedience, okay? We're not talking about emotional love. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about 
biblical you know, love that's based in discipline. He says, dear son, as long as you live under this roof, he says, you will follow the rules. In our house, we do not have a democracy. I did not campaign to be your father. You did not vote for me. We are father and son by the grace of God. I consider it a privilege and I accept the responsibility. In accepting it, I have an obligation to perform the role of a father. I am not your pal. The age difference makes such a relationship impossible. We can share many things, but you must remember that I am your father. This is 100 times more meaningful than being a pal. You will do as I say as long as you live in this house. You're not to disobey me because whatever I ask you to do is motivated by love. This may be hard for you to understand at times, but the rule holds. You will understand perfectly when you have a son of your own. Until then, trust me, love, dad. I thought, boy, that is so true. And that's what we need today is more fathers who are like God. God isn't trying to be our pal. He wants to be our heavenly father who, when he gives a directive, he expects it to be obeyed because in the truest sense, I think we'd all agree what father knows best. It's not emotional. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to obedience. Andrew Murray wrote this, the secret of home rule is self-rule. First, being ourselves, what we want our children to be. So in other words, you know, wherever you want your children to go, lead the way, go there first. You know, some things are taught, some things are caught, some things are given by instruction, other things are given or caught by example. So you think about that. For parents today, especially for dads, remember what the psalmist declared, Psalm 127, verses three through five, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gate, at the city gates. One dad put it like this. He says, my family's all grown and the kids are all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I'd do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys. I would listen more even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pay more attention to the little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And he concluded his letter, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary life, every day I would use to direct them back to God. It was Mark Twain, you know, he said, you know, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly have stand to have the old man around. When I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in just seven years, you know. And so as I consider, and I want to close with this, you know, I think about the words of Solomon and this wisdom as he looked back over his life. And that's really what he's doing. You know, this, he's looking back over his life and he's going, man, this is the sum total of it all, you know, is that you would love God and that you would obey God. And if you would do that in your life, you, you will, you'll have a satisfying life. And so I asked some guys, like I said, to, to share with me, and, and, and many did, 
I wanted to just read this to you before we close here today and then just pray with you. Um, and just, I really appreciate you, the men of our church. There, there's so much wisdom and it's always fun to get to sit with guys and have real conversations, you know, and real conversations are always the conversations that focus on God. You know, Pastor Mike Cosper, he, he said this, he said, God has given us the gift of life and it would be very beneficial to wisely manage this gift by prioritizing life's balance. Time spent with our Heavenly Father is essential to being a, a great earthly father. Dads have an important role in parenting children, whether through the birth or adoption. Again, you think about that. Um, it's just, you know, again, he says, it's a great joy to go through life seasons with our children at every stage of life. We need to appreciate this responsibility to encourage, coach, counsel, celebrate success, and cherish the time. Lead by example and be passionate, he said, for Jesus, because Jesus was passionate for you. I appreciate that. Shane, when Shane said this, I would tell a young Shane to take the shot, do the things that seem undoable, ask the questions when you don't know the answer. Always do a little bit more than you think is enough. Don't be afraid to fail and don't procrastinate. I love that. John Jones, advice to younger self. Loudly, vocally support your children in front of their friends. Provide opportunity for each of their unique talents. Pray for your family by name out loud. There will always be stupid leaders. He wasn't referencing me there. I just want you to so rise above them and don't act like them. Continue to use your spiritual gifts in the small, obscure groups God sees you. Be faithful in the long run. God sees your faithfulness when you may think that others don't. Help those that can't repay you back. Bless those that curse you. Patience is the most important fruit you can cultivate, and few people have it. Smile when greeted with a frown. Good words. Uh, my friend, Pastor Gene Pinciero from Calvary Chapel, Hanford, he said, invest in Apple stock. I always love that, you know, <laughs> word of wisdom right there, right off the get-go. He said, you know, we're specifically told to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He said, looking back over my life, I realized how much I had planned for me. You know, all the important things, college, career, trophy wife, athletic, children, great retirement income, travel, die in my sleep. After I became a Christian, I made new plans. There are about a million ways that your plans can silence the Lord's plans for you without you even knowing. You don't uh, know what you don't know, and that ought to humble you. The older you get, the more you ought to realize you know very little. In a sense, you know how less each you know less each passing day, but that's okay because following Jesus more closely because of it is what ends up happening. Jesus knows what you don't know. It makes sense to submit to him and to be as certain as you can that you are in the will of God. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think my younger self would want to know the future, except the part about investing in Apple stock. He says, as weird as it sounds, I would say, Gene, you don't know what you don't know. Quit wasting time and humble yourself in the sight of the one who does know. What I can tell you is all things do and will work together for good to them that love God. And are called according to his purpose. My father-in-law, Rod Almstrom, he, I took this, I brought, I, I added something in here for you. 
he gave me a piece of a sentence. So I had to stay in school as long as you can and get a good education. Never stop growing as a person. One day when you get married and you have a family, make teaching your kids how to walk a priority. Teach your kids by example how to walk and how to get back up when they fall down. Remember, it's not if, but when you fall. We all do. Model God's love and forgiveness as you teach your kids how to walk with Jesus. Make knowing him your most important accomplishment, being a father. Help your kids to know Jesus and the importance of a personal relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Kevin Ruland. Kevin says, listen to your parents way more. Don't argue and fight with them. You will lose valuable opportunities due to poor decisions. Prioritize long-term decisions over short-term pleasures. God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen more than you speak. Wisdom. Isaac. Solomon. Isaac said this. He said, someday when you get married, you have kids. Remember that your children are the legacy that you will leave this world. Invest in your children as they are here to take your place. To be a godly father, you must be fathered by God. As a father and as a man, you are primary the means of impressing God's fatherly nature into your children. Always remember, unless God builds our home, we labor in vain to build it ourselves. Your children will teach you how well you relate to God, good or bad. Life is short, and so are the seasons of life. As a father, be aware as you move through the stages of life as a protector and then provider and instructor and a disciplinarian to counselor and friend. In the end, if straightforward instructions don't work, try reverse psychology. That was a joke, he said. So, Pastor Jason Truitt, when you have a family, one day know that kids spell, I gave Jason this, love, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. So spend intentionally, uh, intentional quality as well as uh, quantity of time with your kids. Invest time exploring things your kids love and are interested in. The more interested you are in your kids, the more interested your kids will be in you. Memorize James 1, 19 and 20 and repeat it to yourself often. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And because he's a youth pastor and he deals with kids and he knows how kids listen, he said, and this is what I would tell them. In short, calm the hell down. Okay. Thank you, Jason. John Kleins. He says, what advice would I give to my younger self? Interesting question. Which younger self? The seven-year-old younger self whose father passed away? The 17-year-old younger self that walked away from his virginity and sobriety while claiming to be a Christian? Or the 27-year-old younger self still abusing drugs and alcohol, preparing for marriage while claiming to be a Christian? I suppose the advice I would give my younger self from those days isn't much different than the advice I would give to my younger self this morning. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and create within me a clean heart. I do love you, Jesus. Cause me to obey you. Help me to surrender and submit my life to you, God. You are the word, Jesus. Your word says that he who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let that be so in my life. 
Cause me to be the husband and the father you've called me to be. Cause me to remember you. You are my father. Help me to remember the words of Isaiah. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Strengthen my faith. Decrease me. Use me for your glory. Use me up, Lord. I don't want to be a clanging brass. And in everything I do and wherever I may go, please let the fruit of the Spirit be evident in my life. I trust you, Lord. Help me not lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge you, knowing you are faithful to direct my path. Forgiveness is a powerful thing, Lord. Help me to forgive like you forgive Jesus. Ron Paul, I would tell my younger self that the Bible is clear and that we should lay out the truths within its pages and then trust the Lord that he will control the outcome. Don't be proud and try to control the outcomes of this life. Share God's truth and love and then learn how to step back and wait on God to change the heart. Live life like the faithful farmer, plant, water, pray, and model a faith that's real, and then watch as the Lord's faithful as he brings it to an increase. Bill McClure, Bill and Donna, good friends of ours, they used to attend our church. They live over in Santa Paula now. And Bill's still a really close friend. He said, I would tell my younger self, stay true to your faith, be wary of secular views, surround yourself with those that aspire to look out for you as much as you care for them. Always go with your gut feeling. It's usually inspired by the Holy Spirit. Don't miss an opportunity you would be very proud of later. Always be humble and thankful your life for your life and relationships, especially those that are spiritual. Encourage others as much as you appreciate encouragement. And when the going gets tough, take it out on racquetball. He likes playing racquetball. Matthew Poole, Matthew said, I would tell my younger self, please don't give in to peer pressure. Remember, mom and dad are telling you those things for a good reason. And not just to keep you from fun. Experience means a lot, good or bad. Just because you think you can doesn't mean you should. Just because no one sees you do it doesn't mean you got away with it. It can wait. And then uh, Armin Savage. Armin was uh, my junior high teacher. I've shared that with you. And I was probably been closer to him even at times than I was my own father. And uh, I always enjoy uh, the time that I get with Armin. And we had lunch this week. And uh, he shared this with me. He said, the advice I would give to my younger self. He said, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Be thankful and honest always, keeping in mind that Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Be true to your friends, even when your friends are not true to you. Jesus went to the cross for his friends, even knowing that they would run and hide. You know, in, in closing, Again, you might be here today and you're thinking, you know, man, I didn't have that good of a relationship, like I said, with my earthly father. Or maybe you're here today, even as a father, and we stood and we recognize you in your heart. You go, man, I'm not even, I don't think, a good father. You know, the good news today, apart from everything, is that we have a heavenly father who loves us perfectly. And like I said, in Romans 8, 15, he says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, 
you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. I'm so thankful that that's his invitation to us. Of all the, the titles that God has and what he deserves, you know, he tells us today that we can call him Daddy, the most intimate of names. We have an invitation today. And I, I think about this, you know, regarding relationships. Like I said, whether you're a man or a woman, old, young, here today, I, you read John's, you know, acknowledgement, losing his father when he was seven years old. Um, Psalm 68, 5 and 6 comes to mind. You know, God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. One of the great blessings of being a church, having a church. It's one of the reasons, as we get in the book of Acts, why God created the church. Yes, God lives in people, but the church, the institution of the church exists for a very powerful and profound reason. And so that people have a place to belong, to fit in. Like I said, three things that we all need to be loved, to be accepted, and to be forgiven. And maybe you're here today, you know, with regard to Father's Day and in, in, he whether it's your earthly father who you're separated from or maybe your heavenly father. Um, you know, I remember that story years ago, you know, of a, a father. Uh, he was desperate to reach his son. He took out uh, an ad in the Madrid. It's the largest newspaper in, in Spain. He took out a full-page advertisement. And on the heading, it said, Dear Paco. And below it, it said, Meet me tomorrow in front of the newspaper office at 12 noon. And then in big letters, it said, All is forgiven. I love you, Dad. True story. The next day, 800 boys named Paco were there out in front of that, that newspaper wanting reconciliation and forgiveness from their father. You know, and of all the things that, you know, on Father's Day to be able to enjoy is reconciliation in broken relationships, especially between us and our Heavenly Father. And if you have kids today, to be able to pray for that reconciliation. And there was a song, and I'm not going to play it, but I, I want to encourage you. Um, it's an old song. It's by Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And I'm just going to read through some of this to you. The title of the song is When God Ran. And it's based on the story of the prodigal son. And it said this, it said, uh, Almighty God, the great I am, immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding king of kings, mighty conqueror, and the only, and the only time the only time I ever saw him run was when, and then it goes into the chorus and it says, he ran to me. And if you remember this song, it says, he took me in his arms and he held me to his chest. He said, my son's come home again. He lifted up my face, wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice. He said, son, do you know that I still love you? He caught me by surprise. And, and it's such a great reminder today. Like I said, this can be a wonderful day, regardless of what's gone on in your past. You know, I, I wrote it to a person this week that I was helping has a, a really a terrible past. And I said, you know, that just know this, that you, know, you can't change your past, but you can change your future. Today's a, a, the mercies of God are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. You get to write the, start the new chapter today. And you can start it by, you know, if you haven't come to God, it's by coming to him. If you have kids today that are wayward is by offering, you know, forgiveness to them like this father and to his son Paco, come home, you know, leave the light on, so to speak. And, and if you have a, a great father, whether he's alive or, you know, whether he's, he's passed, um, you can thank God 
for those dads today. And if your dad's here, cherish the moments because like Solomon said, you know, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. And hopefully those memories are really, really sweet. But I can't thank God enough, like I said, for the fathers that are in this church. Um, you know, you're making a difference. You don't always feel like you're making a difference. But, you know, my hope and prayer today on this Father's Day is that you know that you are loved, that you are accepted in the areas where we fail, you are forgiven. And and with that, that you go with this peace, a peace that only God himself can provide and enjoy this day. And And thank God that we have a wonderful heavenly Father. Amen is perfect in every way and he accepts us and he loves us he forgives us and uh, he loves hearing from us and so as we give cards and expressing our love for our earthly fathers just as we'll close today being able to worship our heavenly father in song and just telling him telling him out loud and god i love you thank you so much for loving me like you do and uh, that you'd be blessed today and then for you dads uh, head on out there to the uh, quad area there and, and enjoy some uh, some italian uh, sausage today, and uh, may it not give you indigestion, our prayer. So I invite you, let's stand to our feet, and we'll close in prayer, and we'll send you out with song today. Father God, again, just want to thank you so much for the men of this church, for the fathers in particular today, and we celebrate them. And Lord, we pray that uh, God, uh, they would be by their children today, if their children are alive, that their children are around and available, that, God, they'd be able to see them and spend time with them, that children, and especially the, the youth that are here, that they would appreciate uh, their parents. You know, Scripture tells us, you've commanded us, that we're to honor our father and mother, that today would be a day where we can honor our fathers. And, and Lord, thank you first and foremost for them, and thank them for the discipline that they've provided us to, to steer us straight, to keep us from harm, and ultimately, especially for these dads that are here today, to point us to Jesus, Lord. And Lord, we, we just cannot thank you enough for that. And so we thank you for them. Again, we pray every blessing would be theirs today. Let the peace of God rule their heart today. May they know the, know the comfort and the joy of our Heavenly Fathers, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's give